Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Debrief Podcast. This is Ervin Jantz, joined as always by Colonel Baker and Chief Flores, our 97th Air Mobility Wing Command Team. We have a very special guest this episode, our Wing Chief of Protocol and U.S. Air Force Retired Chief Master Sergeant, Gail Hargis. Thanks for joining us, Gail. Oh, thanks for having me. I love this. I'm excited. <laughs> but, uh, hey, as always... Gentlemen, how are you doing? I think we're doing great, Chief. We're doing great. Oh, we're, we're doing, doing great. Extremely well. I think we Saturday, me and Colonel Baker had a little little offsite. Um, life's good, but we, oh yeah, we thought you know what? Let's just make sure we're we're keeping the trains where we need to go. We went over lines of effort with the objectives and kind of grading ourselves really as a command team. Uh, see where we're at and uh, all to help take care of the mission, take care of our airmen and their families, and uh, continue to develop leaders. Yeah, pretty incredible. We we really kind of neck down what's the objectives over the next six to eight months and making sure that we keep focus and keep consistency with what we're trying to get after here and, and refocusing back on the vision, which I think we've been pretty consistent about overall, but it's always a great opportunity to do that. So we're really, we left really excited from that. And we've got the UEI, the unit effectiveness inspection coming up next week. So that's a big one for the wing. I think we're postured as well as we can be postured. We've had some great conversations with the team about just having our airmen demonstrate their day-to-day mission excellence. And so we're, we're excited about that and the opportunity for that. So I think there's, there's just a lot going on and we're getting into the holiday season and we have, you know, great airmen, great civilian airmen. One of them who's joined us today. You're a first civilian airman guest, by the way. Which is awesome. Awesome. So this is another first. Yes, we're, we're breaking <laughs> ground here. Um, but we always ask, we always throw it back to Jance before we get to our guest of honor. So how are you doing, Airman Jance? Gentlemen, I'm doing absolutely stellar, great, all of the above. The U.S. men's national team, uh, soccer national team, yes. just made it to the round of 16. Yes. Thank the Lord. Uh, so I'm absolutely ecstatic uh, this afternoon. And it, I'm just rolling that over into the podcast right now. Perfect. Yeah, I can sense it, the energy. And we were watching the game as well, too, in between some of the meetings and events we had going on. But, yeah, it's a great time. Great time for U.S. soccer and USA. So pretty awesome. Absolutely. Gail, are you watching the soccer? Are you staying? No, sir. No? I don't know anything about soccer. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we got you covered. They're doing great. Okay. There's a, there's a famous ancient saying that says uh, football is like Football is live. That's a good intro, Gail. If you, if you really want to get the you know the uh, connection there, start with Ted Lasso. Yeah, that's great. But uh, but hey, if you if you don't mind, uh, we'll we'll jump right into uh, getting to know our guest here, uh, Gail. Uh, if you don't mind, kind of giving us a brief introduction of uh, you know why why you joined the Air Force. Uh, first of all, and uh, just kind of the introduction into your career. Well, um, over 40 years ago, (laughs) I uh, was a senior in high school trying to decide what I was going to do with my life, and um, I happened to see the Aim High commercial on TV, the F-15 taken off. I thought, that's pretty interesting. So I went to see the recruiter, and... um, that's when I decided that I was going to join the Air Force. Plus, my, my parents were both Army. I had an uncle in the Air Force, another uncle in the Navy, another uncle in the Marines. So keep it in the family, right? 
Yeah, military family. That's yeah. awesome. We've heard a lot of that through different guests we've had on. We're I wasn't a brat, though. Yeah. I, was, I was later after they got out. But, yeah. you know, back then, women couldn't have babies and stay in the military. So, yeah. So it was, was that your, so I talk a lot about my sister was, I, I call her my military hero. She's my inspiration to serve or one of them. Um, were, were your parents or one of your aunts or uncles, I think you mentioned, was it one of them or just a conglomeration of all that? I think it was just a, you know, all yeah. of them together, just hearing their stories and what they went through. So pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, can you can you give us a brief overview? It might not be brief because it's a it's a long <laughs> military career. It but is. but can you start off with your with your military career and what what you were doing and where where you made it? Yeah, so I came in right after high school. Um, I was supposed to be computers, um, but that was a delayed enlistment for like a year and a half, and I didn't want to wait. So I came in open general, and uh, in basic training, you know, you had to put your choices and. Believe it or not, fuels was my last choice. <laughs> How many was on the list? Ten. <laughs> and because um, I thought I don't want to put gas in cars, you know, for a living. But um, so yeah, you know, I went to tech school. That was when it was at Chanute. It's now at uh, Shepherd in Texas. Um, even better. Even better, mm-hmm. right? Uh, first assignment was Okinawa at Kadena. And I did three years there, and I think I refueled just about every plane in the inventory, even Air Force One. Oh, cool. Uh, Ronald Reagan came over, and I was had the opportunity to refuel that aircraft, so that, that was neat. Um, had lots of TDYs while I was there, Philippines, Korea, uh, mainland Japan. Uh, met Chris, my hubby, in the yeah. Philippines. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> also, also one of our all-star civilians, cross yes, out the Air Force is. Base. He, he's he's amazing. Um, he we were actually in the Philippines for Cope Thunder, and I got dispatched to refuel his aircraft. He was a crew chief on the F-15s, and uh, when I got there, he just said he had hot brakes. So we just stood there for thirty minutes and chatted until we could refuel, and that's how it started. Wow. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and then uh, we got married four months later, uh, got stationed at uh, McCord. Um, I was the only female at McCord at the time. Um, in the fuels, in the in fuels, the fuels flight. Yeah. yeah, in the fuels flight. So that was, that was interesting. Um, we did four years there. Uh, then we went to Langley, and that's when... Um, I was inspired to become a PME instructor, so I was I got hired there at the PME center. What what does PME stand for? Professional military education, and back then it was the NCO preparatory course and the NCO leadership school. So I got had the chance to teach both of those, and then we merged and made the Airman Leadership School. I had a chance to teach that as well, and then. Um, Lake and Heath decided to replace their F-111s with the F-15s. So Chris got the assignment to Lake and Heath, so that's how we got to England. Uh, Stayed there for seven years. Um, Unfortunately, I had made master, and then right after I sewed it on, I got the phone call. Um, 
you have to leave fuels. Mm. I was very upset. Um, even though, but I do want to point yeah. out, even though at the beginning, when you were <laughs> rack and sacking that one through 10, you're like, I, I don't want to put fuel gas in yep. cars for a living, as, as you said. It. Yep. And it turned out to be the best career field ever. It. Sounds like um, the city of Altus right there for you. I yeah. love it. I love it. You know, that's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they had, uh, there was an overage of master sergeants in, in fuels, and I was the number two in all of you, Safi, uh, was forced to retrain, so uh, fortunately, the Air Force didn't make me retrain, they let me do another special duty. Um, I got selected to design curriculum for the Senior NCO Academy there at Gunter, in the basement of the Senior NCO Academy, <laughs> um, with like 10 other master sergeants, so that was fun. Um, I started out on the Senior NCO Academy team, and then they changed, and we went towards curriculum. So there was a comm team, communications team, there was a professional arm teams, and then there was the leadership team. Um, I worked on the leadership team, and I did most of all the Airman Leadership School curriculum and the NCO Academy for EPRs, evaluation system. So that was fun. I also had the chance to um, analyze all the test data from all the schools. I think we had 13 NCO academies at the time, 70 Aaron Leadership Schools, and of course the one senior NCO Academy. I did that for four years, um, and then I was fortunate to be hired at the Community College of the Air Force at Maxwell to be the campus, uh, relations, campus relations director. So basically what we did was, well, we came to places like Altus mm -hmm. and inspected the school, their schoolhouses to ensure that the instructors were doing what they needed to do. For consistency, standardization, mm -hmm. yep. up to mm -hmm. making sure that they're meeting the intent of the curriculum and yeah. all that. And at that time, we had about 7,700 instructors throughout the Air Force. Wow. That, that was of. kind of the heydays of our mm -hmm. Air Force in terms of manning, right? That sounds like. Yeah, yeah and um, I happened to make senior while I was at CCAF, and I got a phone call. And I still remember his name, Chief Passion. And the first words out of his mouth, he's like, first of all, who the heck are you? And why are you not in fuels? So I explained to him the situation. He's like, well, guess what? You're coming back. <laughs> you're coming back and you're going to Altus. <laughs> Win. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I'm the only person Whoever got stationed at Altus that never heard one bad thing about this place. Mm -hmm. No one ever said anything bad about Altus yeah. when they found out it was coming here. So, yeah, and then we come here, and uh, actually, I came here uh, by myself. Chris got stationed in Korea for a year. Mm -hmm. So, us and the kids came out here, and yeah, the rest is history. Did six years, we retired, and made chief out here. Made chief here. And let me. Didn't you say you were the first? I heard you were the first uh, lady leader and as first chief. First chief in the field specialist career field. Female. Wow, tremendous feat. Oh, that's a, that's amazing. Yeah. What a what a path to get there too. Yeah. Like many, <laughs> yes. it's not a straight line path. No. It it takes these these very no. interesting and incredible twists and turns, and then you you end up exactly where you're supposed to be. Clearly, I'm curious. As you, and we can come back to that. When you were talking about you were inspired to join PME, Professional mm -hmm. Military Education, 
what was it in particular that? So I was selected to go to the NCO Leadership School at March Air Force Base while I was stationed at McCord. And uh, when I got to the schoolhouse, I found out that we had to make do a speech. And I was really, I was petrified. Mm-hmm. And having to give my speech was a really bad day for me. And that kind of inspired me to, you know, I really need to do something about this. Yeah. And Miles would just jump head in and just become an instructor. Nice. Get it wow. over with. So, yeah. So you were you took it as a personal challenge, personal yep. growth endeavor. And I always tell people, we tend to gravitate to our comfort. Yeah. And totally. avoid the things that are mm-hmm. hard. That is amazing to be able to do that. And I, I always tell my airmen, uh, don't fear the reaper. You know, like uh, jump right in and yep. uh, come up with a plan to to take mm-hmm. that take that that thing down and right. chip away. And it makes a world of a difference. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, when 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 I worked at the as a curriculum designer, the chief there, by the way, was the very first time I ever had a female boss ever. Wow. Um, I was always the highest ranking fields person, female. So, um, but she had she found out I was a math major, so she wanted me to take over the test analysis team because there was a lot of math involved with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And I was very uncomfortable with that. Um, but that turned out to be probably one of the highlights of, of my time. So analyzing all the test data from all the schools. Yeah, I that's that's incredible. You know, we take a look at that part of the journey. Um, I agree with Chi, first of all, making the decision to kind of go go all in on that is pretty pretty amazing. Um, public speaking is scary for a lot of people mm-hmm. it's it's it is it's a real you know it, it really does invoke anxiety and um that's natural i i think we should be more upfront about saying you know that's natural and that's normal and i what i've found a lot of times is that sometimes the advice is well don't be nervous that's horrible advice it doesn't <laughs> it, it's a phys- there's a physiological reaction here and so there's there's techniques and things that we can do to help and i think yours was probably what we would call an some venues and formats, um, exposure to, you know, to public speaking and just getting comfortable, um, through that repeated exposure and then, you know, confidence and competence in your craft. And so obviously it's, it served you well and you've gone through a lot of different versions of leadership components, but that's amazing. I love that part. Plus it lends a credibility to PME, like that environment. Yeah. Like I've always wanted to be a formal instructor for that reason that I just think it gives you that a certain polish, mm-hmm. right? And I think you you having credibility to this, adding, lending credibility to the system, right. you knew that we're going to be able to shore up that area for you and, and it shows it shows today. Yeah. yeah. There'll be a lot of people that if, if they listen to this and public speaking is something they struggle with, they will connect with this. They will be inspired by this. Um, it will give them, it will definitely give them hope and give them tools to, uh, to help them and uh, just, I think, inspire them to, you know, um, be bold and be courageous. And, jump, and I jump think in. the back to back, you you faced an environment that was not comfortable, and it ended up being mm-hmm. a strength down the road. And I and I feel like perhaps I, that's been a theme in your career. It being has. able to do that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Also, so you the the cherry on top when you joined was a aim high commercial than F fifteen. Yeah. Yes. And I would say you aimed high because you met your future husband mm-hmm. uh, during a refueling next to an F fifteen. And then went to Lake and Heat together. <laughs> and I also ha- got an F-15 at F-15s. Ride yeah. While I was at Lake and Heat. 
or excuse me, uh, Langley. I got a ride. That's cool. By a Navy pilot <laughs> on the exchange program. All right, you know what? Cut. <laughs> All right, we're done here. Okay. <laughs> no, but there, there's an interesting story behind that, Bill. Um, I was I was an uh, instructor at the, at the PME Center, and my boss said, "Hey, we want to put you in for step promotion." I was a staff sergeant. He says, we want to put you in for a step, but we also want to get you an F-15 ride, but we can't do both. Which one would you like? F-15 ride. I think that's, <laughs> that's what you chose? I don't know. No. Okay. I just thought that was interesting that they would ask yeah. me that. Would I rather be promoted or get a ride? But, yeah. um, I didn't get the step promotion, so they said, okay, now you can have your ride. Gotcha. Okay. So it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. I did. I did. What an incredible proposition. <laughs> Can you imagine us doing that today? I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, what do you notice is different between the times, you, you know, your time of service and and today? Um, anything that stands out to you? I'm sure some well, of the things are still the same, but it's what just, do you... It's so different. Yeah. It's just, the attitudes. Um, I mean, just the way we treat each other. Mm-hmm. It just... It's, it just how we do it now is yeah. was not how we did it in the eighties and nineties. I mean, um, I've always been a firm believer that it doesn't matter if you're the person that takes the trash out mm-hmm. or if you're the wing commander that makes all the decisions, everyone has value. And, um, I always brought that up in my classes too. Um, but I don't think we really embraced that until recently. Yeah, that's, that's a great that's a great perspective and and maybe or if if we did you know institutionally maybe we didn't show it in the ways that you know that um, can always translate uh, and, and translate today but that's a that's a great point I, I'm a I prescribe personally to and this is really about Gail but I do think there is absolutely something to you know um, that helping people understand that they're valuable at every level no matter their job and I I, I take it like one step further. I think everybody has to understand from a leader that no task is beneath them. Um, now, we all understand that at different levels, you can't do every task for every airman at every given time. I think we all fundamentally get that. But I think it's very powerful and very important that they understand and you understand, you know, as whether you're a senior airman, um, you know, uh, leading and demonstrating to an A1C or even as a colonel demonstrating to you know your CGOs and senior NCOs and NCOs that, hey, I'm willing to fill a sandbag. I will absolutely do it. If if we have got to build a defensive fighting position and this is what we're going to do, I will absolutely do it. And I know that, you know, we all understand that I can't spend every hour of every day doing it. But I'm just, I'm taking what you said because I I really believe in this um, because it, it inspires a team and it, and it adds value and people understand they're valuable. So you, you uh, I, I steal this from you a lot, but you say you got to walk their walk. Yeah, walk their walk. That's so mm-hmm. true. And that's it. You never outgrow that. They want to know you're willing to pick up a weapon and do yeah. not box over them. And uh, I think it shows humility and it shows uh, you never get too disconnected from what's happening in the front lines. I think that's important to them when you're, they know you're advocating in the right direction. Yeah. Right. And uh, that's important. Or as a retired chief, you're, you're uh, giving that advice to us in the right direction. I think it's important too. Yeah. So I got to find this old. There was a, an article. When I was in ROTC, it was part of the curriculum, and you may you may know this, Gail. It may have been wider than in one of the aerospace studies classes, and it was called the article was called "The Courage of Sam Bird," and it was about 
this captain in Vietnam who had a platoon that was just dysfunctional as all get out. And what he started doing was exactly that walking the walk. It was really little things like um, shining his boots when the folks in the platoon were not doing that and doing the little things like building out DFPs with them and demonstrating those little actions that over time totally turned around that platoon in that company. I think he was a company commander. And so it, the article, unfortunately, I think he um, ended up as a uh, combat casualty and, and died in combat, but it really did like the whole company and platoon came around. So I need to, we take this so far, but I think Gail hit on something really, really fundamental there. I got to go find that part. Yeah, Do you remember that? It wasn't no, anything y'all were working no, on. No, I just remember uh, one of John Maxwell's quotes uh, was uh, a good leader uh, knows the way, goes the way, and um, shows the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's a, awesome. That's yep. a great That's a great one. Um, I'm going to get out my, my notebook, my podcast <laughs> notebook, and put that put that in there. That's really cool. Hey, do you Does any particular leader stand out to you? Uh, through your active duty career, or even as a as a civilian leader, uh, that really made a big difference in, in in the way you serve, or or even going to making a career and wanting mm-hmm. to be chief. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, in the beginning, um, a lot of my inspiration was from people that I didn't want to be like. Mm. Yeah, um, because I really didn't have any. Role models. I will say this though: a, a lot of my supervisors in fuels took care of me. I will say that. You know, it could have been a lot worse. Um, they just weren't used to having women in the career field, so it could have been worse. But yeah, a lot of mine's drawn from what I did not want to be. Um, but one of my one of my favorite leaders is uh, Chief Master, Chief Master of the Air Force Number Five, Gaylor. Oh yeah. And I've, I've people like hot fries. Yeah, I, yeah. I've met him, met with him several times. Um, he was uh, the guest speaker when I made chief. So just, just a very inspirational person. Yeah, and then of course I, I have to include Chris. Yeah. You know, uh, Chris became a first sergeant when it was a cross train. It was not a special duty. Um, so when it became a special duty, uh, he was grandfathered so he did it for 11 years and he just was just always an inspiration to me that's cool shout out so you got a yeah. couple of shout outs in there which is <laughs> which is great so now we know um at a minimum we'll at least have one more listener to our podcast so chris hargis <laughs> is gonna he's gonna dial in and, um, and, and check it out but uh, that's great you know so there's a there's a quote out there that says you know people don't quit companies they quit people and uh, I'm I'm amazed by by your resolve to survive the mm-hmm. the bad supervisors because I feel like a lot of our young airmen um, make decisions, life decisions, career decisions on on their experiences with their bad supervisors. Uh, but it sounds like for whatever reason, maybe your upbringing, uh, whatever the case may be, prepared you for those moments, mm-hmm. and you were able to have that perspective. And that's not what I want to be like. So right, I, it gives me a point of reference to to go go away from it and be better. What advice would you give our women today that perhaps are experiencing that? Yeah, I, I drew a lot of my resolve to, as you put it, to stay in the military. Because let me tell you, there were many times I wanted to get out. 
but um, anytime I thought I was being treated unfairly, um, that gave me just the extra motivation to prove them wrong, mm -hmm. right? I'm not going to get out because you don't think women should be in fuels. You know, basically, I'm going to stay here and just rub it in your face. <laughs> it was my attitude. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Badass. Um, in a nice way. Um, but yeah, I, the advice I'd give Aaron today, and I, you know, I really don't connect well, I think, with this younger generation. I don't know them that well, um, like I used to. But I would, I would say you've got to seek out somebody and say, hey, what should I be doing right now so that I can be a chief 10 years, 15 years from now? What should I be doing right now? What do I need to do right now to be a good leader? They need to seek somebody out. Yeah, I, I I love that. And then on the flip side of that is, you know, what we, we want supervisors actively out in that space too. Our frontline supervisors talk about this all the time. And you gotta, Chief, you gotta throw your story out there about the reason when when you were going through your reasons for serving and when you finally kind of got there. But in the beginning, is your supervisor who you didn't wanna you didn't want to disappoint. You have a much more vibrant way of describing this, but Right, that that was it. There was oh, a supervisor, army. yeah, army, yeah, yeah specialist king. So inner city kid and me, I'm talking about myself and the, the core values in the army back then. That's where I served. Uh, did not matter to me, but beating a big brother, father figure like specialist king, mm -hmm. that did matter. And uh, just the way he carried himself, uh, he was tough. He was resilient. Um, he could out ruck you, outrun you, out tactics you, but he was kind and approachable and considerate and all those things I needed in my life at that point. And uh, the thought of doing something silly, um, the look of disappointment in his face, that's what kept me from going down the, the wrong path. Now the seven core values, which eventually I got there. And I, I like to think a lot of our airmen don't join with the core values. Eventually it gets uh, ingrained in them, but until then they look for those leaders that they want to be like and want to follow and not disappoint. And uh, that's what I hope every airman gets. You know, so I always tell folks the most important leaders in your life should not be me and Colonel Baker. It should be your frontline supervisor. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when 9-11 happened, I really thought, because I, I was in during when 9-11 happened, and, you know, I was scared at first, but then I thought, you know, I'm the best trained I can right now, and our unit is super scared away, and if we go to combat, we're not going to not pass the test because we're not um, ready for it at that moment. So it was an incredible feeling to have that's a moment in time. Yeah, it's a great part of the story. And I like the idea, you know, Gail's advice of, you know, for the young airmen out there, go latch on to somebody, go hit your wagon. And it takes a little bit of humility. It takes time. It takes effort. But they will steer you right. We have we have lots of people that are in the supervisory roles that, that are they're doing exactly what they should be. And for those that aren't there yet, we're, we're aggressively getting them ready for that and, and pushing really hard for that. Yeah, fortunately or unfortunately, I think Gail just just signed up for her inbox to to grow quite a bit with, yeah, with the yeah. leadership yeah. requests. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think another piece of advice I would offer is something that a wise chief told me one time: whatever job you're doing, be good at it. Mm -hmm. Just be good at it. Don't worry about what you know everybody else is doing. Just do what you do and do it good. It gets that, noticed. That sounds, you know, that sounds, uh, that comes up a lot in ALS. And Chief's, Chief has said exactly that 
many times and I try to also, you know, push that out and, you know, just just be good at your damn job. We're talking about unquestionably proficient. Yeah. You know, that is a, a little bit fancier way of saying just be damn good at your job. It it really is. It's it's part of the it's part of the wing vision. And that's exactly what we want. We talked about the unit effectiveness inspection and and what do we want? We just want our airmen demonstrating their day-to-day excellence, being good at what they do. You know, one, one thing Gil doesn't know, she says she doesn't connect with this generation. I think you yeah. connect with them quite a bit. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you recognize that uh, we're, we're kinder to each other. Mm-hmm. Kinder, but still, I mean, right. we're still going to go prosecute war. I mean, that's what our business mm-hmm. is. But the fact that you recognize that uh, there's compassion there visibly and we treat each, treat each other with uh, visible dignity and respect. Um, she doesn't know this, but when I when folks get to find out, they get to work with her because we she has an assistant in protocol and usually a staff or a, a senior mm-hmm. airman, and they are giddy as all can be to go work with her because yeah. uh, they know they're going to be taken care of and they're working with a retired chief, a wealth of knowledge there. And I don't know if you pick up on that or not, but so I think you're <laughs> a little more connected than you, than you yeah, think. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of growth. I see a lot of growth in our augmentees to protocol. Absolutely, definitely, I see that. It's visible. Yeah, Dance wants to go there next. Yeah, because I love my position at PA. I don't want to leave. And you guys mentioned be good at your job. I I love doing my job, and that's the least I can do. And I I wouldn't turn down a job offer from Gail though. I wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, oh I go to school. Yeah, that's your. That's some advice. Third go piece of advice. Yeah. Yep. Go to school. Whole airman concept right there. Go to school. Yeah. Just. You know, have that have that extra experience mm-hmm. in your in your bag before you separate. Is that what, is that what you're getting at? Go to school while you're in service. Is yes. Yeah. Um, when when Chris and I were going to school, uh, the online didn't exist. <laughs> I know I'm really dating myself here, but in fact, he finished his master's degree while he was deployed to Turkey um, before the online thing started. Um, but yeah. I was always mad at myself for not doing it sooner when I, before I had children, right? I was in the Air Force for 12 years before I had our first son. I could have had a doctorate degree by then, right? <laughs> so, yeah, go to school. Yeah. You, you learn so much from other people, probably more from other people than you do your instructor. It's that, it's that thing, Gail, that I've heard put as, you will never have more time than you do right now. So that idea that you're, there's trade space somewhere out there in the future usually does not pan out. Um, so I think, I think you're kind of highlighting that. But, but you did, but you did get it done. Not, not easy. Gentlemen, um, Gail, if we can transition into your uh, post-military career, I know there are a lot of... Um, there's a lot of time spent there as well. There's probably a lot of lessons uh, we can get into. Uh, can you can you explain what you've done so far after after separating from the Air Force? So how how I got into civil service is kind of a funny story as well. Um, I was at home enjoying my retirement, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably doing laundry or rearranging something, putting up lights for the Christmas display. Right. Right. Um, Chris had already secured his uh, job at LRS, his civil service. And my phone rang and I picked it up and all I heard was, Chief, what you doing? It was, uh, at the time, 
Colonel Thomas, now Lieutenant General, retired Thomas. And I, I recognized his voice. I was like, sir, I'm just you know, chilling, hanging out, doing my retirement thing. He says, why have you not applied for the secretary position at the wing? Well, you're not going to tell a colonel that it's because you don't want to work there. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, sir, I said, honestly, I said, I want the inspection job um, that's being advertised. He's like, oh, he's like, just come talk to me. So I went in and talked to him, and I was bent on, I was firm. I was not going to accept the job. <laughs> Ten minutes later, I'm walking out, um, doing the paperwork to, to, to become the secretary. <laughs> so, wow. Well, General, um, that's another shout-out. General Thomas, we, we got to get this to him, and then his powers of persuasion are yes. clearly world-class. Um, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and um, I'm just really grateful to him um, it opened up a lot more doors, you know. He wanted somebody that had military background. Uh, obviously, a lot of people think, you know, that's not something a chief shouldn't be doing. But um, I think that's exactly where, where I needed to be because he needed someone with my background. Um, you know, I knew all the acronyms. I knew the how we were structured. So, yeah. Yeah, that position leads. I mean, there's no... Absolutely. Yep. There's no doubt about it. I, let's be clear. The yeah. wing secretary, mm-hmm. I mean, and they do it through a, a very skilled way that, like, did she just tell me what to do? Uh, yes. <laughs> but you don't take it that way. Uh, so there's a lot of grace. Yeah. Um, it's pretty impressive to watch uh, mm-hmm. those positions be very very effective yeah. for commanders. That's, that's really cool. So that's how you got, that's how you ended up getting Yep. Um, connected into civil service. That's yeah. And then what's funny is um, civilian personnel said I wasn't qualified for the job. Of course it did. <laughs> no, so just kidding. I'm just kidding. To, I'm just kidding. I had to start out as a trainee, trainee, which I thought was funny because I, I was like, "Who's going to train me?" But it, it, it was okay. It, it all turned out for the best. And then I did that for seven years. And then under Colonel Carney, now General Carney. Um, I really wanted some to do something mm-hmm. different. Mix it up. Yeah. I really wanted the protocol job because I knew Michelle was leaving. Um, she'd only been here for 18 months. And so I talked to him about that. I was kind of scared, you know, because you don't want to leave your boss, you know, but I really didn't yeah, leave him. Seven years is a long time. Yeah. in the. Uh, and yeah. uh, so I had my whole speech written out, how I was going to approach him, what I was going to say. Got into his office, and I think I got five words out before he was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's make you uh, chief protocol. So, yeah. Master negotiator. Yeah. <laughs> so so you you leveraged General Thomas. You brought that back, whatever yeah. that was. Um, yeah. So I, I am going to ask, because this comes up from time to time, with folks who think that they're not ready for a job or maybe they're, they think they're not interested in a job, and they go to the interview. Um, why did you go to the interview? Because a colonel told me to. <laughs> you know, you can leave the Air Force, but the Air Force doesn't leave you. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, I um, I had so much respect for Colonel Thomas, and um, I thought there was no harm in going in and talking mm-hmm. to him. And, uh, and you know, it's just funny. It just seems like my whole career, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. 
you find out something and you get upset. Like when I found out I was going to Lake and Heath, I think I cried for two days straight because my instructor duty wasn't done and I was enjoying it. But it turned out to be the best thing. Yeah. Stayed there for seven years, made two ranks. It was incredible. And there, and there was the path that you didn't realize was going to exactly. open up for you, the opportunity. Yeah, and I, the reason I was pulling on that thread a little bit is because we, we, I've heard this before where people in particularly in different front office positions, you know, they, they say, well, I'm, I'm not interested or I don't want to do that job or that job's not for me. Um, my thing is, you know, if that person or that leader is asking you to interview out of respect for them, the, 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 um, you know, the answer that, Hey, I'll come interview. And, you know, I think if you would have said, Hey, I'm not interested or it's, it's kind of unfair to that person that, you know, and respect. Um, so it's another way of looking at it, right? The, the right. reason, and you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that can open up to you. So it's, it's a great, I mean, that there's an interview tip and a, a life tip in what you said. It's a, it's kind of a pro tip. Like you, you may think that there's this path, but you just don't know what opportunities are going to open exactly. up. And if, if this, you know, person, um, you know, that you respect is asking, then, you know, out of respect for them, go give it a try. What's the worst that can happen? And look, look what, look what came of it. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I love yeah. story. I always get lucky. So. That's great. I don't know. I think uh, your talents created those opportunities as well <laughs> and your uh, body of work. And luck has been described as a combination of where timing and preparation meet. Yeah. So if you want to look at it that way, maybe we can call you lucky in that context. Okay. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> One, one question for you, Gail, uh, with this chief protocol position, I wanted to ask you, uh, you interact with a lot of Air Force leadership, uh, a lot of DVs. Uh, what, what really stands out uh, from your perspective when, when they're visiting Altus Air Force Base? You know, what, what can you see from them? What do you get, like, the vibe from them when they, when they are visiting here? I think every DV that has come through here since I've been chief of protocol has been, I mean, they're, it's almost like they're shocked to see how great Altus is, right? They're, they're, they just love coming here, and they talk about Altus the whole time and the airmen and how the base looks, and, yeah, it's every DV. That's come through here. And we've had a lot. Because yes. we had the KC-46 arrival ceremony mm -hmm. a few years ago. Um, we had the chief of staff here and former chief of staff, the governor. So, yeah. so business has been good for you. Business has been great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do for, for, for little old Altus. Yes. Um, we do pack one heck, of a, one heck of a punch, which makes me really proud. It's, it's an amazing place. I think that's why you get that. You know, we are, we're, we're a tight knit group um, and we're on this 8,000 acre air patch, but we generate a hell of a lot of air power. It's incredible. And one of our guiding principles is we treat everybody like, like four star generals. And that's true. And I see that in the way you work your protocol. Um, if they're a guest of the wing or a guest of the base, um, absolutely. We, we treat them that way and we should, because they're a guest. That's right. And we, we show them what, what we're all about and the way we do business in Altus. And I think that resonates. Mm -hmm. That's why you see that with our yeah. 
I think it resonates with one, the DB. So I've mm-hmm. seen 06 Colonel Div Chiefs come here who treat them like a four star and they walk away um, feeling, for one, value, but also they're more vested in what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side is the, the owning group, local group here, yeah. very impressed with the way the wing command team, mm-hmm. and really the, the, the base at large, uh, treated one of their own when they come here. So, really, when it comes to the DV and our own airmen, they really respect that we're executing on our guiding principles here. Yeah. It's really impressive to watch. Yeah, I would never want a DV leaving here not wanting to come back. Mm-hmm. Perfect so, approach. Yeah. And, and we do. We get a lot of, we got, we get a lot of repeat customers. Gil gets a lot of repeat customers. We, we get everybody. I, I love the, um, you know, the folks that come through when they're making a road trip from one coast to the next and, and they pop in. I think you have a, a lineup of folks who every year come through at different times, which is really cool. And then yeah, everybody from Christmas. General, entire generals to come dove hunt or mm-hmm. whatever quail hunt they want to do. See family. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the Quartz Mountain or the yeah. Wichita Mountains. Yeah. Advertising a little bit. Right <laughs> <laughs> now. <laughs> So Gail, did you ever imagine that on this on this journey that this is how it was gonna this is how it was gonna play out? That you'd be, you know, making a difference every day, every week, every month, every year. I remember getting my first ID card in basic training, and I looked at the date and it said 20 September 1986. And I started to cry and I thought, I'm never gonna make it. Of course, you know, you're still in basic training, you're getting yelled at 24-7. I thought there's no way. And then, yeah, 40 years and I'm still here. Wow. And I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. I'd do it all over again. And, you know, I kind of felt bad at first because I'm an only child. So, you know, my parents, I wasn't around with my parents, but. Yeah. One of the, one of the challenges and there's, there's plenty, to, I mean, in a, in a, a career that spans, you know, four decades, um, you know, there's going to be challenges associated with that too. But I'm sure your parents were super proud of you. I hope so. Gail, I've got another question for you. Uh, you met you met Chris pretty pretty early on in your career. How has he helped shape you throughout your career and even into your into your civilian uh, post military career? Well, he he has always outranked me, so I was always inspired to 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 get up to his speed, right? So he made blow the zone senior airman. So I was like, okay, I want to make blow the zone senior airman. He made staff the first time. I didn't. <laughs> but you did make blow the zone senior airman. I did. You matched him on that yeah. one. That's good. Um, he, did you take a plane ride or something on that one? <laughs> he got he got the John L. Levito honor graduate in. Um, NCO preparatory school. Um, I got it at leadership school. Um, and then of course, when he became a shirt, oh my gosh, I need, I, was, I just needed him all the time because he, he always had the answer, mm-hmm. right? Like if, if I was having an issue with somebody in the flight, he always had the answer. I could always go to him, but fu- I got to tell this funny story. So <laughs> him being a first sergeant, you know, he gets phone calls two, three, four o'clock in the morning, right? almost every weekend, depending on what squadron you're in. And um, when I was at LRS, um, I decided to take the shirt phone for a weekend. 
And I heard this phone ringing at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, Chris, your phone's ringing. Get up. And he started laughing. He's like, that's your phone. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> Have fun with that one. That's great. First yeah, well, you're going to need – you probably needed him anyway, so you might as well just get up. Yeah, yeah. and I did. I had to call him anyway. I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> But yeah, he he's inspired me to. I mean, he's he's been the first to do everything. So I just kind of followed his lead. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, now y'all still now now you've you've translated that to time at the golf course together. Yeah. Um, you do your your cruises, and sounds like y'all were, you know, it was a match made in heaven. It's a perfect match. Yeah, we're lucky that we have the same interests. So yeah, we got lucky. Do you see? Do you see retirement? anywhere in the near future at all do you see an end there's definitely retirement because we want to travel but it's going to be a while you're not just saying that because no one of the virtues of a chief is they, they, they speak truth to power yeah that's yeah. true that's true well you know we we have to get our daughter through medical school mm-hmm. um she's a senior at ou so she'll start medical school that's four years and as you know it's not cheap mm-hmm. so we need to get her done before we retire. That's great. Um, command team, is there is there anything else we've got for, for Gail while we have her on? I, I just, Gail, want to, you know, just tell you from me to you, hopefully we, we give you feedback, you know, um, at intervals, but we really appreciate you. Um, it's the whole experience. It's It's everything you bring to the table. And when we look at, we talk about, and I know you've heard us say this, but for the audience out there, we may have hit this a few times when we talk about civilian airmen and we talk about how fundamental and how important they are to what we do in terms of depth of expertise, depth of experience, consistency, continuity, those things that really make us a stronger force. I really think you're the epitome of a lot of that. We, we lean on you for a lot of stuff. And so I just want to say thanks to you for just bringing a incredible perspective um, and a highly competent um, highly competent capability to to our wing I mean we I can't I just can't imagine how we would function without you so um, it's been great this has been a great I've loved this podcast by the way this one has been I've had a smile on my face the whole time yeah, I'm gonna leave on uh, with a huge smile uh, walking out of here will last the whole week but yeah, I echo everything Colonel Baker says uh, the interesting thing. As a command chief, I travel a lot, and I my my circle of, of influence now, or or people that I talk to a lot, are other command chiefs. And if any of them served at Altas, uh, they ask me a couple questions: How's Charlie? And then how's Gail? Mm-hmm. She's still there. <laughs> uh, so she's she's world renowned. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. But from my standpoint, you know, I feel weird calling you Gail sometimes because you're a chief. I mean, uh, you might have retired, but you carry yourself like a chief. Uh, all the events. We get to see the yeah, uniform come you back. Wore the, you wore the mess dress. And you it. have it tailored it, and it fits like a glove, yeah. which is impressive. And, uh, I mean, you put yourself out there to still uh, be all in as an airman. I mean, whether it's uh, running your protocol bit or just being a chief or being entertainment, Yeah, which is pretty awesome. I mean, the they say, yeah, you're going to play the keyboard. Uh, drop the mic. We don't need anything else. We know it's going to be a great event with uh, great energy because yeah. that's what she brings to the table. But same thing, and uh, we've had a couple closer conversations, and definitely speak truth to power. And uh, I can count on you as a mentor, which means a lot. Keep us straight, and, and 
And that's something that we, we truly relish here. Yeah, that's awesome. And then we usually flip the script back on on our guests and say, do you have any questions for the command team? Or I don't want to rob your rob no, the, you, the host all, here. All you. All you, yeah. you know, you know yeah. the, the process. But yeah, Gail, do you yeah. have any anything for, for us, for the command team? Well, you know, I have to bring it back to you guys. You know, we're we're only as successful as our command teams, right? And um, I every day feel appreciated. This wing, um, it was really really hard to retire twelve years ago. I did not want to, but it was a decision I had to make for the family. Um, so being able to come back civil service and being the chief of protocol, I I I just I feel like I'm still serving right. And it just it brings sure. me a lot of joy. For sure. I love being in the middle of everything. I don't like being in front. You all know that. I'm a behind the scenes kind of person. That's why I like protocol. <laughs> behind the scenes, you know. Um, and I just I love helping commanders with their you know their changes of command and their retirement ceremonies. I just love doing all that. So. And they yeah. have gone swimmingly. You know, we just. You, just, you and the team yeah. just executes. Thank you. It's amazing. I, just, I really enjoy it. It's clear. Passion's clear. Evident. Yes. But uh, you have any questions for Jans? Let's flip the script. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, guys. How'd you get so good at your job? This is like the third time we've yeah. you've interviewed me. It it's simply <laughs> hey, it's great leadership. You know, every, every time we meet jazz, there's more microphones, yeah. more laptops. It, it, it gets more tech. It gets more teched up in here. It's Only amazing. one coffee cup. His coffee yeah, cup. Yeah, coffee cup. Change, change that out. That's number two. This is the longest oh. time we've yeah. gone without mentioning it. But. Yeah. yeah. This is turning into the matrix. What? Well, I, I have <laughs> one for Jans. Um, so, uh, so Gail T talked about um, the generational connections. Do you see a generational um, connection there? With you? The the funny thing is I find myself as like an older soul uh, <laughs> compared to, uh, you know, I'm a little, I'm a millennial compared old? to, uh, <laughs> thanks chief, <laughs> but, uh, but I seem to connect a little more uh, with like a lot of my friends are in their thirties and forties. They have kids, you know, they they're just a lot older than me and I seem to connect with them a little more than the generation behind me. So yeah, I, I see Gail around and it's an easy conversation. You know, I see people around, uh, at all of these events, you know, if I'm covering, um, uh, changes of command, which is like low key, one of my favorite seasons of the year, cause I love seeing the big smiles on, on everybody's faces, uh, especially the families, you know, if, I see people there and I just know you I'll, I'll have a conversation with you. Uh, but I know when I need to, when I need to buckle it up and I need to do my job as well. Um, uh, but, but certainly I, I have that connection with, uh, with certainly the older generation. Uh, and it's not difficult either. It's not difficult for me to come up with a conversation with them. So. Yeah. I see it. I see the connection out there. And, you know, I've, I've found that the generational, you know, there, there are some components to, you know, maybe how we communicate, how we, you know, how we use devices, other things. But I, I really believe fundamentally, if we get generations, name your generation um, away from electronic devices when they're not being used to do our jobs, 
um, in an environment of shared adversity, we we respond and react as a team the same way we always have. Sometimes sometimes getting to that can be a little bit of a challenge with with modern day distractions, but uh, I do think we're I think we're we're just fine when when we can do that. And I think this will, this will be a path um, for continued uh, connection and, and thought on that on how we how we keep keep connecting. But it's awesome. So we got got quite a quite a spread of experience in here. So. Yeah. You know, last thing I'll say about about Chief is that uh, you know the the debrief thread that I pulled is like she always jumped at opportunity, and it was always a phone call away. Apparently, <laughs> everything yeah. that everything that uh, happened was always a phone call. Yeah, not a yeah, not an MPF yeah. virtual MPF message or, or something like that. So I think it goes to show That's that a good point. People are seeking you out, which mm-hmm. is important. I think your body of work uh, creates those opportunities for mm-hmm. yourself. You're here. Um, one one last thing for this is for you gail um if you uh, you've shouted out a couple people already but if you want to this is another opportunity to give any more shout outs uh to the family to anybody you'd like to that have uh made an impact in your life you know have have really impressed on you well definitely going to shout out to aaron he is um, a c17 maintainer here on the a-team our son, he's uh, 28, and um, he is a very good bowler. I think most people know that. that like, he's, really good bowler. Like, how many 300s, Gail? Yes, he he's up to 32 perfect 300s now. His goal is 97 300. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to tell him that. Yeah. That's a good one. And then, uh, yeah, he has four uh, 800 series, um, and he, he goes to Tulsa for tournaments in Vegas. So, um and definitely a shout out to my, my med student out there, soon to be med student, mm-hmm. Melissa, uh, trying to make it through her senior year <laughs> at OU. She's got this. Um, yeah. And of course, Chris, you know, brother, my, my best half um, and our best friends, uh, Terry Kratz and Charlene. Um, we've been friends for the last 18 years. So, yeah. It's great. Love them all. Shout out. That's awesome. But, um, gentlemen gail i think that's a that's a wrap for episode eight episode eight of love it the debrief (laughs) podcast um uh command team as always we really appreciate your time gail we can't thank you enough for for coming on to the debrief podcast and really sharing a, a wealth of knowledge and some great lessons with us we we can't thank you enough uh from myself the pa team uh the command team for sure we really appreciate it was it. a lot of fun um, right i really you're glad you did this. it now oh, aren't yeah. you yeah. yeah and i'm gonna listen to all of them just 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 like uh just like in your you know your public speaking and pma experience yep. like you're glad you did it like yeah got it yep. i think people are surprised how quickly it becomes just a conversation yeah that's true. It really is. Yeah. But I think we're ruining deep revitam for us. We're ruining uh, Jans's exit. Yes. Oh, okay. Good, Back good, to Jans. You closing out? And and with that, <laughs> thank you everybody who's listening. That is a wrap. Episode eight of the Deep Podcast. Thanks everybody. Cheers. That's great.